0: Hey everyone! I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Uh, but First Thessalonians chapter five and verse eighteen has been our text that we have been basing this entire series off of. And Paul writes, and he says, "This be thankful in all circumstances." Some will say, "All circumstances." Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You ready to go with me today? I'm excited. I'm excited. Father, I thank you for the moments we've shared, your Holy Spirit that is evident in this place, the lives you have already changed and the lives you're getting ready to change, the miracles you've already done and the miracles you're about to perform. We thank you now in advance for what is about to happen. And God, I pray now that we would not leave here without being changed, challenged, or empowered, that we would walk out knowing that you are with us, that you are among us, and that you have called us. And today, God, we just want to give you great thanks in Jesus' name. Someone shout amen. 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 Someone said, I believe it. I receive it. Do it, Jesus. Jonah's an interesting character, and, uh, and so we've, we've worked through... Through this this prophet's life. Jonah lives around the same time as Elijah and Elisha, and we find that Jonah is given an opportunity uh, for an assignment. His assignment was he was to go to a city named Nineveh, which was the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrian people uh, were vicious individuals, they were very violent in nature. Uh, Not only would they capture and kill, but they would torture those that they captured. And, And so when Jonah Jonah's in the shadow of Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah and Elisha did incredible miracles. I mean, talking about two powerhouse prophets, uh, dead being raised, water parted, whirlwinds, uh, prophets being killed, I mean, fire on the altar, I mean, crazy stuff. And God talks to Jonah, a prophet, and is like, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, No, not happening. I value my life. I value my head on my neck, and I want to continue living. So Jonah thinks it's smart to go down to a city named Joppa. He jumps on a boat in Joppa and heads to a town called Tarsus. And on his way, uh, a storm comes. He tells the sailors, throw me overboard. They do it. And when they do, a fish swallows Jonah. But the fish wasn't any fish. It was prepared by God to swallow Jonah. And Jonah is now in the belly of this fish, and he begins to write a prayer. And his prayer isn't one of complaint, but it's one of thanksgiving. It's one of thanksgiving, and it's one of gratitude that God saved him and spared him, but one also of expectation that God would continually save him out of this. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 3 this morning. I just want to read just a few little excerpts from from Jonah chapter 3 today. And and it goes like this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Are you thankful that our God is not a God of of one and dones, but He is a God of second chances and third chances? And many of you are like me. We're living on our 100,000th chance. We're just, we're just like chance after chance after chance, and yet God speaks to us. And, and, and in this moment, the Lord speaks to Jonah again, calls him again, helps him again, speaks to him again, and he says this, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, like, yeah, <laughs> you've just been through the storm and the fish, and you almost at like, this time, Jonah obeys the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large That it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Like, if you weren't scared to begin with, now you're scared. Like, you're telling these people you're going to die. This is it. It's over. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. We're going to go down to verse 10 this morning. It says this, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. I want to talk this morning on our our third installment on this series. I want to just, just talk on this subject called Move the Goalpost. Move the Goalpost. When we talk about that phrase this morning, what we're saying is this, it's, it's to unfairly alter the condition of, or rules of a procedure during its course. It's like this, it's about what you're getting ready to do over the next couple weeks and months uh, as you gather with friends and family, um, and you get ready to play a game after you have stuffed your face past the point of gluttony, you are, <laughs> we got plans, <laughs> Uh, you're sitting there and you're like hey what are we gonna do and you bring out a game I I don't know I mean I don't know if people still play Monopoly is that a thing still in 20 no I got kids shaking their heads no Um, like what's Monopoly well let me tell you before we no, I'm not (laughs) have you ever been over to someone's house and they have what they call house rules I don't care if it's a card game, a board game. They've got house rules. And those house rules never come up in the beginning of the game. (laughs) Just calling people out this morning. Don't worry, I'm getting ready to do it too. Suddenly, suddenly you're in the middle of the game. You thought you knew the rules. But now you're in the middle and they're like, you can't buy park place before you pass go. What? That's not what the rules, that's not what Parker Brothers says. They're like, no, it doesn't matter what Parker Brothers, this is how we've played it, and my grandma played it, and my great-grandma played it. And you're like, great-grandma wasn't around when Monopoly was invented. (laughs) But they're so stuck on their house rules, and suddenly the game and the rule changes for the benefit of the house. For the benefit of the house, and so all of a sudden now the rules are just out of the window. Or if you're in my house, when you invite people to play Madden 22 with you, And they change the setting to rookie while you're playing pro, Brandon. It's it's not, it's not right. It's not fair. Suddenly the name of the game has changed. The rules and the conditions are changed in that moment because the house wins. And what I've realized is that's exactly what is happening in this story with Jonah today. Is that God changed the goalpost in the middle of a game for individuals because he loves people. He changed it for Jonah because Jonah was thrown overboard and he should have died. The punishment for running from God and saying no, like cut him off, he's done. He's over. Kill him. <laughs> real real life giving this morning. <laughs> Be done with him. <laughs> But yet God speaks to him a second time. Then we have the people of Nineveh who should have been punished by God like God had done with everyone else. But somehow the Assyrians got the heart of God because they changed their wicked ways. And suddenly now what God had said would happen, God's like, I'm going to change the rules in the middle of the game. Forty days he gives them. And when Jonah speaks and they change, God's like, all right. I'm going to change my mind and not give them destruction. I'm going to save their life. I'm going to help them. And what we've noticed about this is this fact this morning is that to this point Jonah's story has been wild. It's been a wild ride. Running from God, storms, fish, spit up, preaching. Like this is a rough this is a rough 3 chapters of a life lived, but it's a wild one. Proverbs reminds us of why it's wild. And I want to I show you what Proverbs 29 and 18 says. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoso, whoever obeys the law is joyful. Why? You want to know why our world is wild right now? It's because we've refused to follow the guidance of God's word. Jonah's life is wild because he has refused to follow divine guidance. And I want to remind us that if our life is not governed by the Word of God, it's going to be wild. And maybe you're sitting here this morning or online today and you're wondering why your life is chaotic Why things are wild right now? Why things just seem to be so tunnel vision and you're always focused on the negative and you're like, how are we going to even talk about Thanksgiving? Have you even lived in the last two years? Have you ever seen what's going on? Jobs are being threatened. Things are happening. Can you even... Why can't you talk about Thanksgiving? Because Paul doesn't give us an option of whether we should be thankful in good times or bad times. He says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is the will of God concerning you who are in Christ Jesus. Because divine guidance leads to the will of God, and my divine guidance says to be thankful in all circumstances, whether I'm in a storm or I'm in the belly of a fish or I'm being spit up on the on the on the land, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be thankful in all of it, in all of it. And chapter three of Jonah is all about the redemptive nature of God, because God so loves people, all people, every kind of person. He loves people. And I am thankful today that God loved Jonah because it gives it hope for me. Because I don't know about you, but I've been in places where I've needed a second chance. And God did not define Jonah by his mistake. And God will not define you by what you haven't done or your mistakes that you have made God's definition of you and how God defines you is based on the work of Jesus, and it's through His righteousness. It's not, it's not based on what you've done or haven't done, it's based on Him. And the reality is this morning, we're the ones who have put the limitations on ourselves. When, when God is reaching to you because it's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's about how he defines you. And he defines you as his righteousness. And he wants the best for your life. And he is willing to change the rules of this game. So that you can enter into his calling, his purpose, and his assignment for your life. That's the will. That's the hope. That's the joy. And he's willing to change it. The, the reality is, today is that, that we know God is able we know God's able. We've seen it on the screen today. You know God's able to do it because you've seen it for yourself. Maybe you are a recipient of it. But the question is not, is God able? The question is, are you available? Am I available for the task at hand? Am I available for the assignment? Am I available for this? And God is calling you not based on your ability, but he's calling you based on your availability. Are you willing to go through things you don't understand so that the purpose of God can be fulfilled in your life? Can you continually be thankful even when things around you aren't going according to your plan or your will? Can you still be thankful in all circumstances in the middle of all of it? Individuals like, like, uh, like Noah, available. But I wonder if, if Noah... Didn't really comprehend what was about to happen. Like all of a sudden God's like, I'm going to cause it to rain. And Noah's like, what? What's, th- what's that? He's like, I want you to build a boat. And Noah's like, can you, can you spell that for me? God's like, B-O-A-T. He's like, That's too hard. A-R-K. We're good. <laughs> and, and, and God's like, oh, I'm going to cause it to flood. I'm going to cause it to rain. And, and I'm going to destroy the earth. And Noah's, Noah's like, okay. So Noah starts building The ark, and as he's building the ark, it takes him upwards of a 100 years to complete the task that God had for him. I wonder if Noah thought that it would just be a real quick thing, but now it's stretched out and he's going through things that he did not expect. Things that weren't going his way and they were going God's way. Individuals like the three Hebrew boys who are, are... standing up for their faith and and their belief in their God and, and and Nebuchadnezzar's like I've created a statue and I want you to bow when the music plays bow to it and the three Hebrew boys are like we're not bowing. So Nebuchadnezzar's like all right into the furnace with you. I wonder if any of them had thought through that like this isn't the way it should be. This wasn't the plan? Like I was hoping the angels would come and wipe them out and the three of us are left standing. That's great. I didn't expect it to land this way, and now I'm in a in a furnace. But an image of God is standing right next to them. They come out unburnt, not even smelling like smoke, because God was there with them, delivering them, because it was His plan, not theirs. Individuals like Joseph gets thrown into prison, and and and, and Joseph's like, hey, I've got my plan was that people are going to bow to me. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be serving the nations. Like, this is, this is beneath me. Like, I'm going to prison. But yet, Joseph couldn't rule with empathy if he had never experienced the tragedy. Because God's ways are above ours, and when we see the big picture, like, hey, I'm going to, people are going to bow, things are going to happen, nations are going to be turned, and God's like, but yeah, I've got a prison for you. Are you available to go to prison so... That can work out his will in your life. Like Elijah dealing with Jezebel. Prophets of Baal being killed and, and fire coming down on an altar and consuming the sacrifice. And now he's dealing with Jezebel, running from his, for his life. This isn't how he planned it. This isn't what he expected. This isn't how he thought things were going to work out. Yet God had a different plan. We know the story. God saved him, God delivered him, and there was more prophets awaiting him than all of the ones that he had had killed. Because when we're in the middle of it, it's not about our ability, it's about our availability. Jonah inside a fish. This isn't how I planned it. This isn't what my ministry was supposed to look like. This isn't what my goals were supposed to look like. I was supposed to be doing things like Elijah and Elisha. I was like, no, I have a plan prepared for you to reach a city that no one else would go to. And I've chosen you to reach people that no one else would talk to. It's Daniel. It's Daniel standing up because they put a decree you cannot pray. So Daniel decides, I'm going to continue praying. And in my estimation, like if I'm going to continue, I'm going to think that, like, like all of a sudden a plague's going to come, like it did with, with Moses. Like, hey, fill their beds with frogs. It's like, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Lice everywhere. Like, I, this is insanity. But what does God do? There's a, there's a den of lions prepared for Daniel. But wait, God, I, I didn't expect, this thing's not going the way I thought it would go. Suddenly now, I'm having to endure lions. But yet God had the power to shut their mouth. The question is not, is God able? The question is, are you available? God will always bring you through it. God will always deliver you out of it. But the question is, are you available to go through it even when things aren't going your way? And your response to it? should not be an attitude of complaining or questioning, but an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving in all circumstances, because this is the will of God. It's not so much about the what and the where as it is about focusing on the who. I can get so consumed with what it is and where it is, but the will of God is not about what and where. It's about who you're focusing on, and that is thanksgiving in all circumstances. Maybe maybe it's even the moment like Jesus had. Where he is facing his death and he prays earnestly that this cup, this moment would pass. And then he says, nevertheless, not what I expected, not my plans, not what I had hoped would, would, would go on, but your, your will be done. And sometimes the redemption has to lead through a crucifixion. Because God will use you, not based on your abilities, not based on your pedigree, not based on your history, good or bad, God is going to use you based on your availability. Will you be available for what God has? Many of us are educated beyond our level of obedience. What I mean by this is we know what to do. We just have a hard time doing what we know what to do. In the Hebrew, knowing and doing were synonymous. They did not have any distinction between the two. Knowing was doing and doing was knowing because once you knew something, you did it. But we have divided those things in our modern culture. We have divided the knowing and the doing. And and once we have knowledge, then we want to delegate it for someone else to do. But the reality as a Jesus follower is not for us to know that Jesus is good and that Jesus redeems and Jesus saves. Our responsibility is now to go to other people and let them know what he's done for me is available for them. My availability sometimes may lead through rejection and may lead through persecution and may lead through some hard things. But the outcome is always better than we expected. And because even in the middle of it, I can thank him for what he's done for me. And if that's it then that's it. I can thank Him that He saved me, delivered me, redeemed me, restored me. But I've realized this, that giving thanks is only half of the equation of gratitude. Is anyone else sick of giving your child a gift only for them to put it down and play with something else? I gotta get it off my chest. It's just it's it's weighing on me today. You you paid for that rainbow high doll. You purchased it with your money that cost you blood, sweat, tears, and sleepless nights. All for her to look at it and go, thanks, Dad, and it get put in the closet. Never and I'm like, girl, you better get that out and you better play with it for every penny it's worth. And the reason why we feel that way is this, is because thanksgiving and giving of thanks is only half of the equation. It's the doing that fulfills and puts the legs to the giving. Because once I give thanks, that's great. But when I put legs to my gratitude, it changes and moves the goalpost. Because the goalpost for us, the goal, the the rules of the game could be, I'm in it to receive but the game has changed when redemptive nature of God has been in place. That our responsibility is not only to give, but it's or not only to receive, but it's also to give. So, in other words, it's not just to give thanks, but now it is also to do the work of gratitude, and that is telling everyone what God has done for me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. The Book of Revelation says that we overcome by the word of our testimony, and the blood of the Lamb. It is important to understand that when we use our mouth, we're not using it in judgment or criticism. We're not using it to tear down. We're using it to build up. So it doesn't matter how right you are if you do it wrong or you do it bad. It voids it. Let us not be a voice of criticism and condemnation, but may the church be a voice of love and hope and reconciliation and peace and joy and light to a dark world. May we have that attitude within us because it needs to get from our head to our heart to our hands. I can be thankful where God's brought me from, but it's my responsibility now to tell others that he can bring them into this as well. Into this as well. Into this as well. 2 Corinthians 5 says it like this. And all of this, someone say all of this, is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us, God has given us, God's given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The reality is is that we have a responsibility and a task to reconcile other people for Jesus. It is not to be held within here or in here. It is to get out there. I don't want to be a church that offers lip service of thanksgiving and gratitude. May we be a people that charges into a dark world, shining the goodness of God everywhere we go. It is not judgment that leads people to repentance. It is not criticism or condemnation that leads people to repentance. It is the goodness of God. And the goodness of God cannot be displayed if I continually maintain it and retain it. I need to let it out. I need to go to Nineveh and love people. I'm never going to have influence over anything that I do not love. I'm never going to have influence. I'm never going to have that connection over people and things that I... People can read through your fake. They can see through want to just be another Jesus follower that's mad, cussing, grumpy, and just just an absolute awful person to be around. You ever been around somebody and, and, and all they have done is complain and talk bad about people and, and, it's just, and then you find out that they're actually a Christian? And you're like, wait, what? Because nothing showed you that they were. Like, you were about to lead them through a salvation prayer. And they're like, I follow Jesus. You're like, wait a minute, what... The world is sick of a misrepresentation and a mispackaging of the gospel. It is not self-serving or self-pleasing. It is going to all nations, every kindred, every tongue, no matter their skin or their age. I am thankful that in North Idaho, I'm thankful that Encounter is a multicultural, multi-generational church. We ought to be proud and thankful and keep that up. We got to keep it up. Because God wants to use you. He's he's using you as a conduit for his prophetic vision for the future. He's using you. He's working in you. He's using your gifts and your talents and your availability for his future that he's creating and designing. God's working in you and through you and manifesting his life through you. And here at Encounter, people are a heart because it's his heart. Not because it's something we just write on the walls, but it's something that we get inside of here that people are our heart. And when we start seeing people that are lost and hopeless and rejected, may we be the individuals that will change the goalpost. Move the expectation. Change the rules of engagement. To reach one more person. Because here one more matters. Because we'll do anything short of sin to save one more person. To reach one more. Because people are our heart and they're his heart. May we have an attitude to go into places like Nineveh and reach people for Jesus. You want to be filled with thanksgiving. You want to know how to give thanks even when things don't go your way. Let's move the goalpost. Let's move the expectation. I think God should use me this way and this way. And when it doesn't line up to that way, move the goalpost because it's his goalpost to change anyway. Go ahead and move that out of the way and let him have it. All all our responsibility is to say, God, use me. I'm available for your kingdom. I'm available for your purpose. Whatever that looks like, however that looks like, I want to be available for your using and your, your ability. Your ability. Galatians 6 and 7 says it like this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. At the, just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. We should do good to everyone, In every situation, in every circumstance, this is not a boundary and a limit. It's a free thing today that whenever I have the opportunity, I give thanks and I'm available. I do good. I love. I give. And I'm not just saying thank you for saving me so I can sit on a church seat somewhere. I'm saying thank you for saving me so I can serve the people that need to be served. Thank you for blessing me, not so I can sit and hold on to it, but thank you so I can be a blessing to others. I hope it's resonating this morning that what we receive, we are also to give, and what we get, we are also to give, and when we receive, we plant, we sow, and whatever you plant and sow, you're getting back. So let's sow more love. Let's sow more hope. Let's sow more peace. Let's sow more joy. Let's sow more, and we'll see the harvest. We'll see it come back to us so we cannot stop sowing in this season. Sowing good. Sowing an offering of invitation. Opening a door for somebody. Letting them experience this same saving power that we've saved. And we've experienced. And we have, we have encountered this reconciliation. And the ministry we have is to reconcile people to Jesus. That's Jonah's mission. He did it rough. We'll get into chapter 4. He has an attitude. And God gives him an attitude adjustment to the point where he finishes the book. Weird. We're going to get to that next week. But Jonah's got an issue. So what we can learn from Jonah is what not to do. Not necessarily what we do. But God has called us to be available to reach people like Nineveh with a heart like Jesus. I want to live, love, and look like Jesus everywhere I go and in everything I do. And I want to ask the question as our band comes today. If Jesus moved the goalposts for us, how much more can we move the goalposts for someone else? If He's saved you, if He's delivered you, if He's rescued you, He's moved the goalposts for you. He changed the name of the game for you. But our task is to reconcile people to him. And how we do that is we move the goalposts so he can make a way, so he can save. We're bringing them to him. He does the rest. All it is is my availability. And I want to ask the question today, are you available? Are you willing to move the goalposts? The the goal, the desired outcome for your life, are you willing to move that so that you can become available for His kingdom and His purpose? Are you willing to be thankful in all circumstances, even in the middle of the belly of the fish right now? Even in the middle of a city named Nineveh where everybody wants to kill you? Even if you're in a lion's den, even if you're in a fiery furnace, even if you're in a flood? Even if you're in a storm, are you willing to say, I'm thankful in all circumstances and I'm available to do good at every opportunity? Are you willing to move the goalpost because things aren't looking the way you thought they'd look? It's not happening the way you thought it would happen. You're 22 and you thought you'd be married already. Hey, move the goalpost, don't settle. I, I thought I'd have this career nailed down by now. Move the goalpost because God's doing a work right here. Maybe you're even here saying, I thought I'd be healed by now. God's got a plan and He'll use it for His good. And we're saying, I'm gonna be thankful in the middle of this circumstance. Are you available to be thankful today in the middle of all of it so that others might encounter this same Jesus, this same Savior, this same healer, this same deliverer? Are you available? For the goodness of God to be displayed on your life come hell or high water. The reality is found in Romans and Romans says it like this. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. This is what's due. This is what's owed right now. That's the wages of our life. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord what I'm saying is this is God is willing to move the goalpost for you let's be available to move the goalpost for him today and I wonder if you'd stand to your feet all over this room this morning I wonder if there's somebody in this place that would say I'm available I'm available. So use me. Encounter, let me just talk real to you for a moment. This area is booming and growing like crazy. And you can get frustrated, upset with it all you want. It takes me a lot longer to get anywhere I wanna go and Walmart's more packed. I got a problem is today is that through all of this growth and development people are coming into this area that need Jesus they need a Savior they need what you have and they've got stories like you had and they need somebody to share with them the goodness of God, the love of God the grace of God so I'm asking you I'm pleading with you as you use the voice of God you're saying please come back to God You are speaking like He is speaking and you're saying I'm available to be used in any way, in any capacity, the way He wants me to be used. And if that's you in this place, if that's you here today, God is raising you up for this moment because of your availability, not your ability. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.